to us this afternoon. Okay, let's pray together. Pray for yourself right now, individually. Ask the Lord to speak to you. Ask the Lord to keep you awake, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, that God's Word will, you engage with God's Word. Lord, we thank you once again we can visit your Word. I pray that, Lord, you will speak to us, Father. Your Word will come alive, Father. And that, God, we will be excited about it. And I pray that, Lord, you will speak through me, that you will help us to understand about brokenness, about victorious Christian living. Lead us, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Our church will embark on a new series. This new series is called Victorious Living. It's based on a book by a senior pastor, Daniel Fu. He's a a pastor of a fellow Brethren Church at uh, Bethesda, Badot, Tampanese. Okay? Why up in the the east? He wrote this book called um, Running with Horses, Victorious Living. Basically, this book, it talks about the journey that Elijah, one of the prophets, older one, bringing a younger one, Elisha, through four places. These four places are Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, as well as Jordan. And these are four very significant places in the history of the people of God in Israel. And it mirrors also something that we can learn in our Christian walk. And that's going to be helpful. The first one, we're going to talk about journey to brokenness. The second one, talk about Bethel and encounter with God. Then Jericho will be some strongholds that we need to tear down. And then Jordan is a serving out of our overflowing of our walk with God. So we're going to talk today about brokenness. I don't know about you, sometimes people ask these questions, why do we stagnate in our journey with God? Why Christianity sometimes can seem like same old, same old. No breakthrough, no progress. Just like that. How can we have a breakthrough where there is a greater zealous for God, greater experience of God, where we live victorious Christian life? Why is there certain of these things? I've been pondering some of these questions and I'm going to address some of this. And sometimes it's that God has been working in our lives, just that we are not listening to Him not listening to him. But when God comes, he's going to do wonderful things. I read a story about brokenness here. Uh, it's perhaps happened a century ago um, in the Isles of Lewis, in the off, off, coast, uh, off the coast of Scotland. At that time, the church leaders were very burdened for the young people because they are not excited about God, spiritual matter. They scorn over the things of God. So they decided to come together to pray. And then they prayed for 18 months, one and a half year, three times a night, three times a night, three times a week, they come together to pray. At night, all the way to the early mornings, early hours, they pray and pray and pray for one and a half years. Revival take place? No, nothing happened. (laughs) Nothing happened. And then one night, one of the young deacons rose up. He read, Psalms 24. He read this. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who can dwell in the holy place? He who has clean hands and pure hearts, he shall receive the blessing. 
And then he faced the crowd of people who come to pray. He said, brethren, it seems to me that all these hamdabam, all these sounds about us waiting and praying amounts to nothing if we ourselves are not right with God. And there, at that prayer meeting, he confessed his sin to God as well as to the people. And then people begin to confess sins with one another to God. And revival broke out in that particular prayer meeting and it spread throughout the whole island. And people were excited about God. It starts with people get serious with God, got serious about what God is serious about. And they experience brokenness and God break through into their lives and things happen. And things happen. So today we're going to look at this topic about brokenness. But before I talk about this topic, I want to give you a brief overview again about the history of Israel. They give you some framework so that we know where the story fit into this picture. First of all, you know, after creations, God called Abraham. And then from Abraham, there is uh, his son Isaac, and then Jacob, then Joseph. These are called the patriarchs. These are the initial key early fathers of the people of God, Israel. And then God brought them to Egypt for 400 years there. And then during the 400 years, there was a bondage. Then they brought them out of Egypt into the promised land. And from the promised land, they were led by different leaders. They called themselves judges. And after judges, they were also led by uh, other leaders. They called themselves kings. The first king is King Saul, who we're going to talk about King Saul. Then the second king, King David. Then the third king, King Solomon. And after Solomon came, came the divided kingdom. They are divided into north, it's called uh, Israel, and then the south is called Judah. During this divided kingdom time, God raised up prophets, two prominent ones. I mentioned two of them, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. So this is the, the history, the framework. So today, we're going to look at uh, Gilgal during the time of this history period. If you look at Gilgal, it's very interesting. There are many things that happens in Gilgal. I'm going to briefly just mention some of these things that happen. I group them into three categories. Okay? I'll call this category, quote-unquote, Movements or directions. Movement. Overview then after that, we'll go into specific. The first one would be there is a commencement. There is a new beginning. The people of God, new beginning. And then it leads them to a coronation or a calling. For King Saul or coronations. Other people were just calling to, to have a higher purpose to serve God. And then at this time, there is a confrontations. A confrontations where there's, I, I like Edwin Chua's uh, sermon. He always have these three C's, three A, three G. So I try to emulate him. So I come up with three C's. <laughs> but actually, not really confront. Uh, but rather, it's a more unveiling. God began to review areas in their life that, that they are supposed to deal with. Sort of confrontations. Actually, not that far. Uh. So can see also, man. So at that point, they have a choice. How are you going to respond to what God has revealed about their heart or the challenges God has revealed in their heart? They have a choice. They can reveal by doing nothing or going against God like King Saul with pride 
ended up with what? Stagnations. And then constant living, living in constant fear. Or they can respond in brokenness like King David. Later on, I will talk about Peter, where there's a continuation with God, continue to journey to a different level, different stage. And there is a state of security. So this is uh, what we're going to talk about. And all these three C's here happen where? At Gilgal. But first, let's ask ourselves these questions. What is brokenness? What is brokenness? I'm going to go through some of the Bible verses and then glean from it. First of all, here, it said here, the Lord is close, He's close by to the brokenhearted, and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. In other words, there are sometimes, there are certain things that can, can happen in our life that make us reach to the breaking point that will cause us to seek God discreetly. Sincerely, not discreetly. Seek God sincerely. And then for King David, he was once a broken man. And there he prayed. He said, God, create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. The sacrifices of the Lord. Now what I can offer to God is a broken spirit and a contrived heart. O God, you will not despise God is near to those who try. And some of these things that need to be broken could be pride, could be self-will, could be stubbornness, could be some sinful habits. And when we respond with brokenness, what was God's promises? God promises, I, will, I lived in high and holy place, but also with Him who is contrived and lowly in spirit. Contrived means brokenness. God responds to our brokenness with His presence. When we think about brokenness, it is not something very negative, it's not something very morbid, something that very sad, go around, very sad, go around morbidly, introspective, checking for sin in our life. No. Rather, it's an attitude. Attitude to realize that the deceitfulness of our heart and asking God to continue to deal with it so that we can grow more into like Him. In that book by Daniel, Pastor Daniel Fu, he had these definitions of uh, brokenness. He said this, Brokenness is the realizations of the corruptions and the futility of everything in our lifestyle. And Nancy DeMoss, she's a, a preacher who talks a lot about brokenness. She said this, Brokenness is a lifestyle of agreeing with God about the true condition of my heart and life as he sees it. In other words, brokenness is a choice. It's not a one-time experience, it's a choice to say, God, this is my humble response and obedience to the convictions of your word, to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it is a continuous thing, a desire to be more like Christ. So that's brokenness. Now we come back to Gilgal. This place called Gilgal. Journey to brokenness. Let's look at the first one. The first one is commencement, a new beginning. As I mentioned earlier, the people of God, God brought them out of Egypt and then into the promised land. Before the promised land, they have to cross the Jordan River. They went into the, and then God stopped the water from the Jordan River. They went through the Jordan River. At the Jordan River, at the, after they crossed the Jordan River, at the place there, they set a campsite. What is the campsite called? Gilgal. First thing happened at the campsite, they took some stones from the river of Jordan and then put that as a memorial to remember God have delivered them. 
And also at Gilgal, they have the first mass circumcision. Circumcision is a sign of that they are the people of God. The sign of God have a covenant with His people. So there was a first thing that happened. And then it was also the first Passover that they uh, break together. They remember God's redemption in the promised land. They have once in the Egypt, but this is the first time in the promised land. So there was a new beginning. The first C, commencement. And then there was also a calling. It was a Yugo that King Saul was crowned as king. He was made as king. A new beginning there. He became the first king of Israel. Then come, after this, come the confrontations, the unveiling, the showing of the conditions of King Saul's heart, where issues that God wants to deal with so that to help him to continue to grow. It happened twice. It's recorded here and in Gil- both at Gilgal. The first one was an anxious wait. The anxious wait here. You see, at that time, there was a war between Israel and the Philistine. Israel was outnumbered, way outnumbered. But before the battle, kings, uh, the, the priest Samuel told King Saul, before you go into battle, wait for me at Gilgal, seven days. Okay, wait for me seven days. I will come and offer sacrifices, prayer. Then you go and fight. So King Saul waited and his army waited, waited, waited for seven days. After seven days, he can't Oh, he's very anxious. Nothing. So he take things into his own hand. What did he do? He began to offer sacrifices himself, which at that time as a king are not supposed to do. Only the priests are qualified. He disobeyed God. He take things into his own hand. He offers sacrifice. He will presumptuously do it. Why? Because his, un- his anxious heart was unveiled. He was forced to confront one question. Who is the real boss of your life? Who is the real boss of your life? He was forced. And then he was confronted with Samuel. Samuel said this, what have you done? Saul replied, what I, When I saw the people were scattering and you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines would come down against me in Gilgal, at Gilgal. I sought, I have not sought the God's favour, the Lord's favour. I felt compelled. I felt compelled to offer the offerings. Give excuses. Because of this, Thing? Because of you, la, you are late. La. Actually, he wasn't late. There's no mention that he was late. He just a bit late. He just didn't come at a time where uh, King Saul desired. And then he take doing things to his own hand. As a result, there was a judgment on King Saul. King Saul's dynasty did not last. Samuel said this, you have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the co- command. If you had, God would have established your kingdom over Israel for a long time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's covenant, God's command. It seems like a very harsh judgment. But remember, he's the first king. He has been told what is required of a king. God wants to set the standard that you need to take God seriously. So his kingdom he didn't endure. 
So the first unveiling, first confrontation, he failed. He didn't follow God fully. Then the second one, there was the punishing. God asked him to punish the Amalekites. There was the instructions to destroy everything. Who are the Amalekites? Okay, Amalekites, they are the people during that time the Israel was supposed to move in the wilderness, travel from Egypt to the promised land. And they passed through the wilderness. During the wilderness period, there was a group of people who ambushed them from the back. Guess who are they? The Amalekites. They ambushed them from the back and God said, you ambush without warning, one day I will, there will be a judgment on you. God waited for some time. And then come the time for judgment. So God asked King Saul, you deal with this, people. There's a promise, there was a command there to destroy everything. But guess what? King Saul did not obey fully. He spared the king as well as some animals. King Saul, in his sight, he won the freedom to decide what is right and wrong. His pride got in the way of obeying God fully. But he thought that he had done all these things correctly. The pride blinded him. His response, <clears throat> after this, you know what he did? After this, after he had destroyed Eddie, he went to this place called Carmel. And there, he set a monument in his own honour and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. Pride comes to its him. He felt that, you see, I have fought the victory I've gained a victory. He took all the credit he wanted to, to look good in the sight of his people. For King Saul, the applause of men become his source of identity. For King Saul, the applause of men become the source of his identity. And he's not willing to give up so easily. And then, Samuel confronted him. Samuel reached him. Saul was very happy. Saul came to him. The Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instruction. But then Samuel said, Meh, meh. Hello, what is this bleating of the sheep? Why is this lowing of the cattle as here? Saul said, Oh, well, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spat the best. Not I, okay? They spat the best of the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord. But we totally destroyed the rest. And then Samuel said, Enough. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, tell me. So, Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. He has sent you on a mission saying, Go and destroy, completely destroy these wicked people, the Amalekites. Which war against them until you have wiped them out? Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do the evil in the eyes of the Lord? Why do you do that? When he was confronted, unveil the condition of his heart that you want to be God rather than God to be God. You know how Saul responds? Again with pride instead of brokenness. Paul, Saul said this, Hello, I did obey. I went on a mission. I com completely destroyed the Amalekites. I brought even the king here. The soldiers are the ones. You see, they took the sheep and the cattle and the plunder. 
was best devoted to God in order to sacrifice. See, they do it. When confronted, he claimed to be oblivious to what had happened. He wanted to redefine God's command. He pushed the blame to the other people. He wanted to define what is right, what is wrong. And then he said that no, the end justifies the means. It's for the worship of God. I'm doing this. It's okay. It's okay. His pride took over him. But Samuel said this, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the... To, to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. Arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the, the word of the Lord, He has rejected you as a king. He has rejected me as a king. And then, finally, a little bit of humbling. King Saul responded, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of men. So I give in. Now I beg you, forgive my sins and come back to me that I may worship the Lord. It sounds like a, a, a good repentance. But if you look deeper, it is not sincere repentance. What he was more concerned, it's about himself. Later I will highlight that. And here, again, it's about his face about the applause of men. But Samuel said, no, I will not go back with you. God has rejected you. And guess what? Saul replied. Saul said this, I have sinned. But, okay, this is the conditions of his heart. This is what the real issue. This is the God of Saul's heart. What is it? Please come. Why? Honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come, so that I may worship. Actually, worship God is secondary. The first one is primary. Honor me. Honor me. His pride is his security. The applause of men become the source of his security. People's applause was his real God, not Jehovah God. But unfortunately, the kingdom was torn away. He was judged. King Saul's future and dynasty could have been very different if he had responded in brokenness. After this, he was, though he was rejected as king, he continued to reign as king. God was not present with him. But God still continued to pursue him, give him many other chances for him to repent. Did he? No, he did not repent. So come back to this picture. There was a beginning. There was a coronation calling. There was a confrontation unveiling. King Saul, he responded with pride, not with brokenness, and he stagnated. He was rejected, and then he continued to live in constant fear. Sometimes, God can do these kind of things with our lives. Because there are issues in our life Areas in our life that are hindering us from living the best that God wants us to live. It could be a relationship. It could be other things. It could be like flaw, applause of men, admirations of people. It could be some other things, richness, relationship, things that hinder us. God wants to deal. God will 
confront you, God will unveil it to you. How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond with botap or don't care? Or no, I do it my way like King Saul. If you do that, result in stagnant and then in fear. But if you were to respond differently, even if you have failed in brokenness, like King David and later on I will mention Peter, there will be a continuation, there will be security in our lives. King Saul and King David, very different response. Let me just briefly mention about King David. King David, one day he was up in the rooftop, idling, then he saw a naked woman bathing. He got excited, he committed adultery. Next moment, deceptions. Next moment, murder her husband. Next moment, he married this lady that she had committed adultery. All these many sins. And God brought Nathan to confront him brought it to him and said, David, you have sinned. Instead of giving excuses, he wrote Psalms 51. Psalms 51 is a psalm of confession, a psalm of a broken man before the Lord. And God restored him. God forgive him. God restored him. And that's King David. And his dynasty continued. But today, I want to also look at a positive response briefly mentioned about David, but I want to dive into the New Testament. How about the New Testament? How did God deal with this? There is a person called David, or Peter, not David. We're going to look at David's journey to brokenness. David, or Peter. Thank you. You are still awake. Maybe I'm not. (laughs) Sorry. Peter, Peter is one of Jesus' close disciples. Very excited, very enthusiastic. But one day he got a shock of his life. That was towards the end, during the Last Supper. Jesus gave him a warning. What is the warning? Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Simon Peter, okay, that's his name, Simon Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan asked to sift all of you as wheat. In other words, come and blow you away. Come and destroy you. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But Simon, Peter, was very gung-ho, very brave. Say, no, 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 no. Lord, I'm ready to go to the prison, even to death. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus is revealing some of the condition of his heart. But Peter was not ready to receive. And Jesus go one step further. Verse 34. He said, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Today, three times, that you know me. Peter was confronted. But he still thinks that he can do it. For Peter, what was the source of his security then? I believe, again, it's about his own life. Again, it's about the applause of the, of the people around, but not as much as King Saul. And guess what happened? They were confronted. Peter denied the Lord three times. Verse 54, Luke 22. Then seizing him, seizing the Lord Jesus Christ, the people they led him away, took him into the house of the high priest. Peter, Peter followed 
at a distance. And some there kindled a fire. Take note of this fire. I'll come back to this fire again. Fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together. Peter sat down with them and the servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. Peter denied, no, 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 woman, I do not know him. Very fast he denied, not just once, not just twice, three times he denied he knew the Lord. And the Lord broke his The Lord turned and looked at Peter. He went out and wept bitterly. He was a broken man when he was confronted about the conditions of his heart. He was a broken man. Quote, unquote, he failed the Lord. So how is Peter going to respond? Is he going to respond by denying it? Is he going to respond by totally ignoring it? Is he going to respond in despair like Judas did? In despair, he committed suicide, Judas. Peter did not respond. He was a broken man. And later on, Jesus Christ was crucified. He was buried three days. He rose again from the dead. Jesus Christ, in his rest, after his rest, he was raised from the dead, he, he revealed to various people. One of them was Peter. He revealed himself to Peter. There was no recorded what happened. Between the, uh, between the Lord and Peter, there was no recorded conversations. I believe Peter would have go there and beg for his forgiveness, beg for forgiveness. Jesus would have forgiven him. But that was the first encounter, there was no record. The second encounter, there was record of the conversations between Peter and Jesus Christ. It happened at the Sea of Galilee. You see, Peter, together with his fishermen friends, they went out fishing again. They caught nothing the whole night. Nothing in the whole night. And then there was a stranger by the, by the sea. Stranger said, why don't you cast the net to this side? So he said, okay lah. I already tried the whole night. Okay, just cast. Then there was a load of water, uh, fish. load of fish. And then suddenly they realized the person who asked them to cast the net, he was Jesus. So Peter was excited. Peter jumped into the sea. And then at the sea, there was another fire, a fire burning. But this fire burning is what? Barbecue fish. <laughs> the first fire was a fire of failure, failure of him denying the Lord. But the second fire was a fire of fellowship, restoration, barbecue fish. And that's great. But there's some other thing beside the fish. What's there? What's there? Bread. I believe Peter, when he saw the bread, he would have remembered about the Last Supper where the Lord confronted him. There was another bread that was served then. What did the Lord say about that bread? He broke it. He said, this is my body. The bread symbolized Christ who was broken for us to restore people back. So there was a fire of restorations. There was a bread that symbolized the redemptions, the forgiveness of the Lord. And guess what? Peter responded with brokenness. Peter came back. Peter saw this is the guy that's worth dying for. This is the guy that I want to follow. 
At the end, according to traditions, not according to tradition, at the end, Jesus also mentioned later on, how did Peter, Peter die? He died as a martyr. He died. According to tradition, he was, he was crucified upside down. How, did he, how was he able to do that? Because of the restorations, first the broken restorations that come. That come. So today, I don't know where you, you are in this, in your walk and journey with God. Maybe some of you have yet to know the Lord. You have come to church. You have yet to know the Lord. You have yet to begin a new beginning. And God offer you this new beginning. Come. Come. Know me. I have died for you. Come receive my forgiveness. And some of you have, most of you today here who have started this new beginning and God have called you to do certain things. And maybe today, all, all the while God has been doing, I've been confronting or revealing, unveiling things in your life to tell you that these things are your true gods, not me. These things are hindering you. Your reputations are your true gods. Your wisdom are your true gods. Your money are your true gods. Your relationship are your true gods. Your children are your true gods. Your health are your true gods. These are your things, are your source of security. These are the things that are hindering you. God say, why don't you give up this thing? Replace it with me, the God who offer you the barbecue fish of restoration, the God who offer you forgiveness. God can do that. And how, did God, how can God unveil these things? He can do it through various things. One way, like Peter temptations. He allowed Satan to come and tempt you. He allowed you to face a challenging situations where you are forced to even compromise. And then when you compromise or when you have trouble deciding what is the right thing to do, it reveals what is really in your heart. It reveals what is hindering you. Why are you struggling? The fact that you are struggling with some of these commands, it shows that there are areas in your life that you have not trusting God for. In the of your life that you find it more important, that's why it's not ready. Why do we lie? Because my face is more important, that's why I lie. Correct? Why we have problem in giving up some of our things, precious things, because these things are more... God putting you into this compromising, uh, this challenging situation, temptation, to allow you to see these things are more important than God. And how are you going to respond to this? So God can use some of these situations. God can use also life circumstances. To some people, God can use hard knocks to get our attention. Sometimes it could be a demotions. Sometimes it could be a failures. Sometimes you lose your jobs. Sometimes it could be sickness. Sometimes it's a loss of relationship. Sometimes a difficult situation to break our pride. And then ask ourselves, where am I putting my security? Who is the real God of my life? If God is doing that today in your life, I hope and I pray that you will come to Jesus. He's there. Put Him first. Put Him first. Respond with brokenness and say, God, I repent. Come, restore me. You will respond in this way. Or perhaps some of you today, like Peter, 
You see, God, I will not fall. You have failed the Lord. You have disobeyed Him. You are down right at the bottom. Today, the same God who restored Peter is the same God who is here. I want to restore you back. He said, come. I have given up my life for you. I have broken, broken for you. I invite you to come. So today, see the blessings of brokenness so that it will draw you back to God because our God is a God who restores. Our God is a God who forgives. Our God who desires the best for you. So let us bow and we, in prayer. I invite the musicians to come. This afternoon, I've shared about this topic here, about brokenness. Perhaps this afternoon you have been confronted or God is unveiling certain things in your life, certain things that you have put greater security than God. And it's time for us to give up this and replace it and let the love of God draw you to Him. It could be a difficult situations that God brought you to situations like this. If that's you, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. You can just put up your hands and then you put it down. I'm going to pray for you. Those of you, you feel that you're broken before God is showing certain things that you are more important than Him. And you feel that okay, you need to be broken before the Lord. Yes, one. Yes, one more. Yes, yes. Any more? Let me pray first. Lord, you have seen the hands that have been raised. You know what they are going through. You know the condition of your hearts. You know their failures. You know their weakness. You know all these things. But we thank you. We thank you that God, you say, I live in high and holy place, but also in Him who is contrived and lowly in spirit. The Lord, you are close to the brokenhearted. You save those who are crushed in spirit. And I know that you are here to restore these people, to encourage these people, to invite these people to come back to you again, to place their security in you, not in themselves, not in other things. And I pray that God, their brokenness will lead them to come back, to be restored by you. And you are God in the restoration business. Just as the way you have restored Peter, I know that God, you're going to restore these hands that have been raised. And I want to thank you. Thank you that God, today, you restore us. Shall we invite all of us to rise? We're going to sing this song. And those of you who raised your hands, or others, 
you want to be prayed for, I invite you to come forward. We will pray with you that God will use your brokenness to lead him, lead you back to Him.
Let's spend some time where you are. Just continue to just thank the Lord and pray for people. Pray together. Lord, I'm, ex- I'm encouraged, I'm excited. As I see Peter jumping into the water, swimming towards you, excited to see the Lord whom he had just rejected, barbecuing for him, waiting for him to restore him and to use him. Thank you for that. Thank you for such a picture. This is the Lord. This is the God we come to worship. A God who welcomes. A God who restores. And I want to just pray for today. Areas in our lives that God you have revealed, I pray that we were willing to put it before your altar and say, Lord, you be the God. Not this thing. Not me. You be the God. And I pray that, Lord, as you come, a God who is trustworthy, you will restore us back. And I thank you. Thank you, Lord worship you, I praise you in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.